Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, 
This is Sandra Nia Smith. Well, this year ain't thing like that, we got some other blessing kind of on a chillin'. Because then on Friday, we got the Gullah Root Village going on, first thing in the morning, 9 to noon. So that a Friday, November the 13th. So now, see, if one of in a Yeti all the showing thing, then you can tell me this evening what other thing was going on Friday evening, there right now. But the day after, we had a Gullah Root Village, 1 o'clock, in the Centelna Branch Library, what done when the Landmark Library and thing like that, we gonna have researching Gullah Geechee Root Symposium and Workshop. This year thing, gonna have my guest this evening keynote. Then rather what's on it and yet if a Gullah Gal, uh, family ties, Ramona LaRoche from up the road Jonah in Georgetown County, South Kakalaki. What the professor of Yona in Columbia now, you know, in the Midlands and things like that. And rather was a kind down along with Steve Tully, the Tuttle, who did it at the South Carolina Department of Archives and History for help on the children. Yet more, learn more about your roots and things like that. Well, you know, you not only on the family roots can grow out of this soil, but plenty of rooted veggie, like now, we the dig tea and things like that, kind out the soil. So, you know, all of this, how you prepare them make a difference. And that are what other rest of people call food ways and things like that. I know we say we now for this year. This year the thing people bring for Alke Boulan where we still a whole pond right here now. And so plenty of time people now stand tall tall, but when these other rest of people are cracking teeth calling food security and things like that. Or food desert and things like that. But we wanna crack we teeth a little bit about that this evening. And Hunter you have to worry if you did wrong you and say, Well, great God, this is a gullah geechee show for true. Then I'll stand tall dog. Don't worry, we'll be speaking this way for all of my listeners around the world to fully understand all of what we're gonna talk about tonight. But I definitely want you to make sure you have your calendars ready. Mark it down. Thursday, November the twelfth, the taste of the sea islands will go on from five till 8.30, 5 p.m. to 8.30 at the cafeteria at Penn Center here on St. Helena Island, South Carolina, as part of our 33rd Annual Heritage Day celebration. This is our third year doing the Taste of the Sea Islands. Our special honored guest that evening is going to be our Afro-culinary specialist, Michael W. Twitty, who is going to be here on the air with me tonight. And he is also going to keynote at the Research in Gullah Geechee Roots Symposium. I told you that just a minute ago. And so we definitely want you to get prepared for those two dates, Thursday, November the 12th, Friday, November the 13th, and Saturday, of course, is our closing day of the Heritage Day celebration. So all throughout the broadcast, you can go ahead, email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O, at AOL.com, G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O, at AOL.com, and we will send you the links and all the details on how to get VIP all-access passes so that you do not miss any of the three days of activities. And you especially want to be there this year to not only purchase things from food vendors, and our homeboy himself, Chuck Town Mobile Fry Daddy, will be doing the fish fry on Friday night. So he's going to be planning for Nam Fun for True Chillin'. And you're going to have to get back on the exercise regimen after Heritage Day and then get ready again after Thanksgiving and get ready again as Christmas. I know y'all laughing right now. Y'all saying, Queen, y'all, you know we ain't about to do that. We're going to come to Heritage Day. We're going to eat all that food. We're going to keep eating all the way through the holidays and then right on through into the new year, and then in January, we're going to story to ourselves and see. We're going to join the gym and stuff, and we're going to work them out, and we're going to work them all. And then next year, this time, y'all going to tell me, you know I had tried. <laughs> so I'll try to tell you now, that's part of the dynamics and the things that we want to share with you. Yes, there's going to be a lot of great food. Yes, there's going to be fried food. Yes, there's going to be all this stuff. But if you know you ain't supposed to eat that stuff, don't come out there eating all that. We're also going to have healthy vegetarian food. For all of y'all who are vegan and vegetarian, come to the taste. We will have something to offer you. But when we talk about the way we eat in the South, the way we eat as Gullah Geechis, there's a history to it. And a lot of it not only connects us back to food ways of the motherland and what some call tangible and intangible resources that reconnect various people who study us to us. But it also now has become part of the discussion of environmentalism, 
and also gentrification because many of the areas here and across the country, especially in urbanized areas, have what are now called food deserts, and this now threatens food security and also the recent flooding you've seen in South Carolina, and it is raining here in South Carolina right now as I speak. These things all have to do with our food sources. When we have a drought, that's another dynamic that has to do with our food sources. But now if we can grow it, if we can harvest it, now we need to prepare it. Once we get into the whole dynamic of how all these things interlink, this is what people study and call them food ways. And the food ways of our people, African people, are very unique. And that of Gullah Geechee's is extremely unique. So this year we wanted you to come to the 33rd Annual Heritage Day celebration that I'm co-chairing along with Dr. Valerie Jackson for the third year in a row. And you all, most of you know already, I've been a part of this event for the entire 33 years of its story, that we wanted you to not just share in the food and enjoy it, but know why. Why do we cook the way we do? How do we harvest this? Why do we eat what we eat? And then what connects us back to this land and why we need to continue to take a stand for being able to hold on to your land and be able to prepare your own food, much less grow your own food. And so I got to hear an outstanding speech, and most of you who follow us at Gullah Geechee on Twitter or you are on our Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page and our Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition Facebook fan pages have seen me post and repost a, a video as well as a blog about Michael W. Twitty of Afro Culinaria. And he is here tonight to talk about what he considers a revolutionary act. Now, one might not often hear that in relationship to food. And so that's why I thought it was critical to have him here on the airwaves so you know he's on the way and you have an opportunity to meet and greet him and see him cooking in the old-time tradition from back when our ancestors were even enslaved on these sea islands when you come through for the 33rd Annual Heritage Day celebration. And you can go to Eventbrite and get VIP passes right now and get the tickets because you don't want to miss it. Just the food for thought is going to nourish you enough that you want to be here with all of us. And so tonight I bring to the microphone of Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio for the first time our brother, Michael Twitty. How honored to do this evening. I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You're alone. <laughs> How are you? I well, yes, yeah, so it's so good to hear your voice on the phone line and not just on videos online. <laughs> it is great to have you here with us. And I, I, I wanna I, I, jump yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wanna jump right in to the fact that I know one of the things that you talked about in at least one of your lectures, at least one that we can see online that I've posted and reposted, is about Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. And your connections there, I know, come from your family roots and everything. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you know that you had a link here in the Gullah Geechee Nation? Well, um, one of my, my, my mother's ancestors all ended up in Alabama. Okay. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that there are, there were literally thousands of people from the low country in the Sea Islands have ended up in other parts of the Deep South. Absolutely right. And they brought the culture with them. So when people people think that there's only one part of Gullah Geechee Nation, and that's the people who are in from, you know, from southern North Carolina to northern Florida with the center being um, in the Carolina and Georgia coast. But the reality is these were thousands upon thousands of people. Charleston, as you well know and have pointed out many a time, was the Ellis Island of black America. Mm -hmm. There just isn't any way else to put it. My um, One of my many <laughs> third great-grandmothers was named um, Hetty, and Hetty was mulatto, and she was, um, and I don't use the term biracial for a reason. That's a contemporary term. Yes, it We're is. talking about how people thought about her at that time. 
And right. she was obviously from a gen- from generation to generation. Um, and so when I we knew that she was born in Charleston from uh, from her self reporting, and from everything that we've looked at in terms of her um, family history, her oral history is very very accurate. You know, she's said, I'm from South Carolina, and I was from, I was born in Charleston, the Charleston area, and this is where I come from. And so all of that was, you know, you kind of you, you kind of go, okay, that's that's what I'm accepting. That's what's been brought down to me. But right. um, Sister Gina Page from African Ancestry mm-hmm. um, gave me my African Ancestry results on the grounds of historic plantation um, in North Carolina, and I was I got to tell you, uh, Queen Quet, I was very nervous. Because, oh, really? Um, Say, well, you know, you have the chance of not having an African, you know, lineage. Ancestor, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's very, and, that, and I know I had that happening the day ago after all these good, all these tests from getting these, you know, fabulous results. And then you then you hit these dead ends, and it's like, it, it hurts. And it doesn't, and, it, and I guess one of the issues I had was I have accepted the fact that I have a multicultural, um, multicolored background. Okay, that's cool. But mm-hmm. this one particular line didn't have any there was no story. It was just some 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 buck record come in the line. Okay, got and you. I didn't like that. I mean I didn't like that. At least with those had narrative. But with Hattie's right. story, she came from South Carolina, she came from Charleston. And then when Gina said your maternal line is from a small country in Africa on that video, I was for real when I had that moment of yes, because I thought, Lord, we're going to end up in Ireland. <laughs> I know that's right. Like one, like two thirds of a lot of African Americans end up in Europe somewhere. Yes, and I and all of a sudden she said a small country, and she said Sierra Leone, and I almost uh-huh. lost it. And uh-huh. she said Mende, and I almost lost it. Yeah. Because automatically, out of nowhere. I, my mind, you know, you know, you study this history for years and years, and I, and you, it's not personal. And then all right. of a sudden, I can see my sixth great grandmother come c- come upon the water to Charleston. Uh huh. And all of a sudden, I see her whole narrative before me, what led right. to Hattie, what led to me. Yeah. And it was stunning. And I, and I mean, I don't know, but nine days earlier. Mm-hmm. I was in I was in Copenhagen, Denmark. And that's very significant. Nine right there. Nine is significant right? in and of itself. Yeah, I, I, mystical, totally mystical. And yeah. I'm and I'm really against this whole idea of like Carolina Gold Rice being taken from my people, and how you know. And I was I was talking about somebody else, but the reality oh, wow. was I was talking about me. Yeah, that's it. You didn't know it. Collective consciousness. Yes. Yes, blood memory, as we call it, and collective consciousness. And see, it's critical that you 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 tell this story and tell that this is the background story. And like you say, going back nine days before you get these results on a plantation, here you are in Europe. I mean, traveling basically spiritually and literally the transatlantic slave trade triangle to reach this point. You know, in your understanding, your overstanding, and your full connection to your ancestry, that's very, very powerful. One of the things I will point out to you, though, why most of us who do live on the Sea Island do not call Sullivan's Island Ellis Island for us. We hear people say that and we cringe because Ellis Island people came to willingly and Sullivan's Island they did not. Right. And and right. And so that's why we always say no. They're islands, but we don't equate them because of this same dynamic you're outlining so effectively. The fact that our ancestors, because they weren't willing, they they didn't know where they were headed. And because they were treated as chattel, just like that Carolina gold rice that you mentioned, they were just a product, a commodity. Nobody was listing their names. None of us can go to Sullivan's Island today and look in a book and a registry and then find your great-great-grandmama name, find my right. great-great-great-granddaddy name. But we do have it because I love the term you just gave me, because of their self-reporting. I love that. So right. when you started to self-report unknowingly, <laughs> right. how did it end up 
that it got placed on the Internet and has gone all around. How do you go from this lecture, like you say, about Carolina Gold Rice to now this whole nother dynamic dealing with your own personal genealogy? Well, you know, there's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to couch this in, I was supposed to be introduced by a certain chef. Okay. From Charleston. Got and it. That, uh-huh. And that certain chef, um, right before he was supposed to introduce me, reneged on his commitment. Uh-huh. I was furious. Mm-hmm. I was extremely nervous, but I was also furious because I almost had an olive branch. Right. Then I went up there, and and there's this law. They had a law. It's a very, you know, avant-garde kind of space and crowd. And I went off on that law. I started beating that law like a pulpit. I hear that. (laughs) And I just couldn't, I mean, I couldn't contain it. And then I went for that goal. I went for that jugular because, you know, you know, that was part of my story, my narrative I was going to give anyway, my speech I was going to give anyway. But right. when that happened to me, I'm like, hold up. You can't be you can't be calling yourself rapping Charleston. Right. And you come up in here and you diss a son. Of Charleston. Of Africans. And, uh, right. And he's like, oh, no, not today. Not today, say Right. So that was my feeling about that situation, and I got really hot. But at the same point in time, like I said, I didn't even realize that the connection between the rice-growing people of yes. West Africa and yes. me was that I was connected. Not only on, on both sides of my family, in fact. My mm-hmm. grandfather's maternal line is Temne and Fula from Sierra Leone. Okay. And my mother's maternal line is Mende from Sierra Leone. Oh, nice. And my oh. grandfather's a light from South Carolinian, so... You know, we we uh, I got it on both uh, sides, and I love one it. One of the Gullah Geechee for true. That way, duh. <laughs> that way, duh. And so that consciousness level is another thing that you know on this show. That's always what we're about is enlightening people and raising their consciousness levels. And I think the over hundred thousand people that tune in every week all over the world who download the show to the iPads and the tablets and they share it on the internet because it makes so much of a difference. It's interesting to always go back to our blog. If anybody listening is not yet following, follow us at GullahGeecheeNation dot com. G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E. There is no I in Geechee.com. GullahGeecheeNation.com and GullahGeechee.net. And every time I look at the stats of who's reading the blogs that we write about the radio show, it's always interesting to see what topics people run after. And, of course, the food topics are more often not the ones that people run after because, like folks say, everybody got to eat. But now when we talk more about the enslavement topics and the transatlantic slave trade topic, you know, that's the one that people want to avoid. So when you mention at the beginning that your family was in Alabama, and people don't realize it unless they've read my book, which goes right back to the whole Carolina gold rice, from we sold to the soil, cotton, rice, and indigo. If you read it, you will see that I have a portion in it. It talks about the literal walking of our ancestors from this coastline to the deep south. And that mm-hmm. is why you still to this day have pockets of Geechees that are in Alabama, that are in Mississippi, that are in Louisiana, and then if they're in Texas and Oklahoma, they're called mm-hmm. Black Seminole, Black Seminole, Afro Seminole. If they are in Mexico, they're called Muscogo. Now, we fortunately all can reconnect because of the term Geechee, and we connect not only through the hardship and the pain of dealing with the transatlantic slave trade and being separated from family, but because of the linguistics. Because of the linguistics, people have been identifiable and for generations have stayed in their kind of little pockets down on bayous and so forth down in the deep south and on these sea islands. Because when we've been to crack, we teat like they should have said on a cracky and things like that. And they want us to stop. Mm-hmm. And now we have not only had to fight our way 
to being recognized as not an insane group of people or an ignorant group of people for keeping our African language and traditions. But now we have to fight our way to protecting them because of what you just said. We have people out here purporting to represent our area and purporting to represent our culture, not even understanding the pain and the hardship of what reconnects us in the Gullah Geechee diaspora at all, and not really wanting to know that part, just wanting to know what else can we sell, what else can we commodify, and there's no greater place that does that than Charleston, okay? So I thought that in your same conversation that you got into on that stage when you brought up the food deserts, that that was a critical part that no one talks about when they talk about Gullah Geechee's and food. No one talks about when they talk about them black folks down south in the deep south and in the south cooking all that food. No one talks about this being a revolutionary act. What made you say that? What made you speak in those terms and even deal with it? You could have just just been, you know, the plantation chef guy. Why touch on that kind of topic? Because I understand and understood when we traveled to the South on the Southern Discomfort Tour in 2012, the importance of contemporary relevance Mm -hmm. to the past. You know, enslaved folks knew where their food came from because if they didn't grow their provision ground, if they didn't grow their truck patch, they didn't survive. Right. Then their descendants, the first freedmen, understood the importance of self-reliance. Right. We have to we have to understand that too. The the moment they hit there were two moments that hit me. One was going to Donaldsonville, Louisiana. Oh yeah. And my Kathy Hambrick. Yeah, at, that's my girl. Um, yeah, she was at we were at her museum. River Road Museum. And she said to me, Look at this And she was telling me about these black businessmen and black farmers that mm-hmm. decided that in Sugarcane Alley, all these people were in sugarcane plantations, they were still practically enslaved, they were sharecroppers, they were indebted, and they said, we need to grow our own food. We need to grow our own food, we need to take turns communally growing the food so that anybody, any family can come here and get the fresh vegetables out of the soil, the sweet potatoes, whatever they need, and take it right. home without shame and not incur one more red cent of debt towards mm-hmm. the plantation owner. Mm-hmm. And they did this in 1912, right. under Jim Crow, without an yes. Internet, without yes. any of the means we have to quickly and succinctly raise funds, put a plan to action, right. and, get things, and get things going overnight. They did this all on their own. And you have yes. to ask yourself, why is this not a thing? Now, on the other side of the coin, I was in Atlanta, and I went to and I met a number of folk who had been um, survivors from Katrina all mm-hmm. over. And I met a number of folk who were trying to, you know, put the, put the city, make the city an urban, edible landscape. Right. And I met a farmer from Montezuma, Georgia, who was on land that had been in his family three or four generations. He was farming mm-hmm. with his family, and yes. he had produce there. That produce went to a vegan caterer. Mm-hmm. The vegan mm-hmm. caterer made food for um, an event for the Hotshot organization. Okay. That the young people in Atlanta and other cities how to do urban farming, and then and then after the two-year program, they get to go to the continent. They get to go to... Um, Ethiopia. They get to go to um, Ghana each four yeah. weeks. Those kids come back. You know who? You know who funds that? Black people. What black yeah. people? That vegan caterer sold. She gave part of her money back to the organization after she bought produce from a black farmer. It was the first time I'd ever seen money stay in my community and watch the dollar flow from black to black person. Right. And that's that so is critical. 
That is hard to do, and that is so critical. Many of my listeners will know that we celebrated Black Philanthropy Month this year here on the air. And if you go back into our archives and tune in to those broadcasts, this is what Brother Twitty is talking about, the same thing we talked about in September, that the money moves out of our community on a one-to-one. You go from one hand to the next hand, then it's out. And in other communities, it's there one-to-11 meaning that it will go around at least 11 times in many other communities before it leaves that community. And look at what he's saying was able to have been built by that money staying within the community. So when you all look at our Gullah Geechee Nation blog and you see where I blogged about black giving matters, hashtag black giving matters, and we talk about philanthropy in our own communities, this is not an unknown thing. During the so-called Jim Crow era, right after Reconstruction, black folk had their farmer societies, they had burial societies. These were the basis for what became insurance companies. These were the people who helped our folks insure that we would be self-sustaining, that we would be able to amass what is wealth. And we should be talking now about generational wealth and continuing to build on it and maintain our institutions that can provide these types of things that Brother Twitty is talking about at all times instead of saying, wow, it's a rare occasion that we see that. We should not be on the verge of ending 2015, going into 2016, saying it's a rare time that I saw money go from black hands to black hands that many times and actually do something for our children. We should not. That's a disgrace to our ancestors for all the blood, sweat, and tears that they have put in this soil for us to sit here today and say it's rare for us to see that. Now, growing up here on the Sea Islands, I saw that all the time. I see that now. We have what they call... A, um, how did they put this thing? And we thought it was the most ridiculous thing we ever heard. A non, uh, a non-traditional economy. They called it, and a non-financial economy. Some type of terminology like this. Right. And we said, really, an economy should be an economy. But anyway, it's all right. It's to say. We still have our African tradition of bartering, but also if you need something and I have it, I can provide it, and vice versa. And so when you mention what this is, this vegan chef was able to do and to be able to give back to others in another way and how that then can enrich and bless the whole community. This is what we still do as agrarian people here in these sea islands. And when you mentioned Donaldsonville, Oh, my goodness, I was in shock because I have a Queen Quet day in Donaldsonville. They uh, they gave me the key to Donaldsonville when we took the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival out there. And just like you mentioned, there are so many people who are a whole new diaspora because of Hurricane Katrina. We've had our own diasporas here in the Gullah Geechee Nation because of hurricanes over time. So a lot of times people erase us. You know that that's a prime time for erasure, you know, because people are scattered. Then they intend for you not to come back, and they intend to build where you and your ancestors built before. They intend to put the condo. There you go. There you go, the condo and the golf course where you had a farm, (laughs) you know. So I know that your work, like I say, is is very vital. And like you say, how do you connect to the contemporary story? Because more often than not, you and I both know, it's a little more palatable to people if you keep the plantation story in the on the plantation. But when you mm-hmm. bring it forward in time and we get out of the, re- the Jim Crow era and we come forward past the civil rights movement and we start talking about modern-day human rights issues, people can't handle that too well. So no, what's the kind of reaction you get? Yeah. So all, over, all, 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 across, all across the board. And, um, you know, I... Uh, I go through the I go through the hard work. I've always told one is that you can tra- you can tell white people the truth. You just have to feed them first. Um, <laughs> That's the way to put that. <laughs> that well, I'm gonna repeat that one. You can tell white folks the truth. You just got to feed them first. Mm. And then the other part is that southern white people and southern black people are connected the way very few of the people on the face of the are connected. But if you're gonna admit that, it is not a kumbaya moment. It is right. it is in fact 
Um, it's a family moment, but it's a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we need to, we need to clean that up. But mm-hmm. in a, as a part of putting that up, we as African Americans have to own our own past and our own culture, and right. then approach it from a different way. So the reactions that I get are, for the most part, positive. On occasion, mm-hmm. I get somebody who will call me a racist. Mm-hmm. Um, on occasion, I will get black people, especially young ones, who go, oh, no, no, no. He just wants to, like, hell hands with white folks. And I said, you know something? I I wouldn't be here if everybody of every background didn't put their hands in the work. But mm-hmm. you know what? Until Until you, brother from Buffalo or Sacramento, have been down Mississippi, been down to Carolina, right. been down to Tennessee, and you haven't seen the flag fly, not just on a TV, but it's been in your face everywhere. Not just, and, and, you, and you've seen the, the Klan bumper sticker, and you're sitting right next to this person. Then you right. can talk about who is brave and who is not. Right. And who has the right to talk. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it goes across the board. But for me, you know, you, you cannot look at the modern state of our people without looking at the past and having this sort of like backwards and forwards look. I mean, let's get this straight. South Carolina, our, our, our other mother, you know, 1740, the, the code, the Negro Code of South Carolina said, if right. you see a black man on the street, see a black man on the road, and he doesn't produce his pass, you can shoot him dead. How was our how was our cult how was our 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 fate changed in 1740, and what happened before, right before 1740, mm-hmm. the Stono Revolution, right? Where our Congo Angola ancestors said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're done, we're done," when they were doing capoeira in the street, they said we were drumming and dancing. No, 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 we were doing war moves in the street, on the road to Charleston, getting ready to fight. So we we have not gone that far, and to me, the um, I, I can't help but think that you know. So if you if you're trying to reenact the the code, the Negro Code from 1740, what there was a revolution in 1739. What was the revolution that happened that makes you crackheads now? Well, okay, there's something in the White House. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. But we have paid a very dear price yeah. for you know living this dream, and we have we have yet to talk about that. But That's right. how we should re- how we should react to that, of course, is really by owning our history, owning our story, and right. getting real. I mean, it's nice to talk about race relations, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not. But you know what? The more and more I think about it, and the more and more I look at it, um, it becomes even more necessary to talk about. Infrastructure, right in our right. own world, in our own community, because without that, we don't have anything to talk about at the table. Right. That's it. And see, that's the thing. And you just said the literal word at the table. The literal words at the table. I just find that so apropos when we're here talking about food waste, because more often than not, and I notice tonight even, and it's kind of amusing in a way and sad in another way, that I'm watching a literal uh, response of what you just said because we have our chat room and we want to welcome all the guests tonight. There were about 12 people that were geared up in the front of this discussion that dropped down to about six and then dropped down a little more and then some new people came back in. So I know when I see that happening in the chat room more often than not, it's people who haven't listened to this broadcast before and when they've seen something on Twitter or Facebook, they think it's going to be a light topic and then it might be a little too heavy, a little too deep for them to digest. But this is the table we're spreading before you tonight that when you talk about food ways, in the quote-unquote black community. You talk about food ways amongst African people. There's more to it that you have to dig deeper to get to that's below that table, that's below those floorboards, that's below that cabin floor of a plantation, that if Mm -hmm. we were to dig, dig, dig down, would send us to roots that would take us all the way back to the motherland. 
and that is critical that those routes connected us to getting us to North America and connect us back from North America back to Al-Kabulan, which we don't even have the time tonight to get into all the dynamics about food insecurity in the motherland and around the world. We're not even going to open that up topic up tonight. But we, you know, I'm sure Mike and I could sit here for hours um, and talk about, just the two of us, talk about those dynamics. So here it is, though. I know that this is going to be a great opportunity. I know you've been to different plantations in Charleston where you've done a lot of this. You've gotten in these dialogues you've talked about tonight. But we have you coming for our 33rd Annual Heritage Day celebration, and not only so that you can share about these food ways as part of the Gullah Roots Village, and I'll be there. I'll be actually fanning the Carolina gold rice. My mother will be there quilting. We'll have Captain Legree there making the cast. Net. And so all of this, along with the drumming of Brother Majid Major, all of us will be there, and we will actually be recreating a miniature village for our youth, for Youth Education and Family Fun Day. So make sure that is Friday, November the 13th. If you haven't yet purchased your tickets, go to Eventbrite. Type in Heritage Day Celebration, St. Helena Island or South Carolina. It'll pop up. Go to Google or Bing. Type in Heritage Day Celebration, St. Helena Island. It will pop up. We It's only $5 all day Friday. All of the youth education and family fun day activities from 9 in the morning all the way into the evening on the grounds and going in and out of the York W. Bailey Museum, all of that is $5. So now don't tell me you ain't got it. You still got a couple of weeks. You can go and hit some people up, and you can make up $5 because when we want to put 5 on it, we got 5 somewhere to put on it. If we roll quarters and pennies, nickels, and dimes, what we want to spend money on, we have it for that. So please don't tell me you don't have $5 to bring your children out. We're going to have a college fair. There's going to be the Lighthouse Theater Puppet Show. There's going to be a number of things that will go on. There's going to be a drum line, drum off with our high school drum bands. There's going to be a lot happening for the whole family on the grounds. As I mentioned on previous broadcasts, that evening program is for grown folks only, and that's a separate ticket. So don't don't go on the website and see the event and then think $5 is going to get you into the Juke Joint Jam because it doesn't. That's a separate ticket, and you got to be 25 or over to get in there. So we definitely want you to come out during the day. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Gullah Geechee, Researching Gullah Geechee Roots Symposium is free this year. If you have supported the Heritage Day celebration in the past, you'll say, well, oh, I thought I always have to buy a ticket for that. In the past, you did. But fortunately, because of the sponsorship and the support that has come again from Gullah Geechee folks, from black folks supporting this event, we are able to offer this this year without a cost. And we are going to have the sessions in our new landmark award-winning St. Helena Library. Many of you have seen me in the library on Gullah Geechee TV. It's going to be our third anniversary there. We wanted to have something very nice, and this is the thing. So we want you to come on, sign up. You can also, if you say, well, I can't make it to anything except that workshop, that's also on Eventbrite. Just type in Researching Gullah Geechee Roots. It'll pop up. You can also reserve space in advance for free. And we want you to come out and get prepared for those family reunions. We want you to have this kind of knowledge and information to take back to the table with the family so that we come together to break bread, crack on the teeth for something one matter, yeah? So the other rest of chilling, get on and take like that. What a chilling, why no? Hold on half a yeah, the children cannot raise themselves, and they do not know until you teach them. And you can only teach the children if you know. So this is why we're sharing this information about what has nourished us over these generations, kept us strong as African people over these generations, but what we have to do now to make sure that we don't disrespect all that our ancestors and our elders went through. You have to be forthright. You have to go forward in telling the story. So we definitely appreciate Brother Twitty being here tonight to do that. And we're going to open up the phone lines in case you all want to join this discussion with us. You can call in to 347 324 
And if you're in the chat room and you have any questions or comments, please just type it in. And if you don't have a Blog Talk account, you can go ahead and create one for free, and then you'll be able to type in the chat room as well. And this way you can have an interactive dialogue with us that way. We definitely want you all to join us November 12th through the 14th, all the way through the 15th, because you need to go out on the church on Sunday morning, too, if you can still make it, after all these activities, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so, Brother Twitty, we know you're going to get in on Thursday. You're going to be coming on down from North Kakalaki to right, y'all. You're going to be in South Kakalaki and then coming on down to the coast and then joining us on Thursday. So you'll get to Nampon a little bit of thing at the Taste of the Sea Islands as well. And so we want you to be there with us and have everybody there after we have that physical nourishment in the cafeteria. We're walking over to the historic Brick Baptist Church and then also having that nourishment as well together. And then you'll have visual nourishment when you all get to see the works of our Artists of the Year. Sandra Renee Smith. All that's Thursday night. So if y'all think that that's spread out, no, it ain't. That's Thursday evening. That's the opening day. So can you imagine on Friday with all that we have going on, and then Saturday is our huge parade and everything. So we want you to come on out. Make sure that you get the tickets. If you say, well, that's a lot of information. I can't write that fast. Email us to G U L L G E E. C-O at AOL.com, G-U-L-L-G-E-E at C-O at AOL.com. You can tweet us at Gullah Geechee, all right, at Gullah Geechee. You can also follow us on Instagram at Gullah Geechee. I know, Brother Twitty, you are Kosher Soul on Twitter, at Kosher Soul. And so tell us about your blog, because I know that a lot of my listeners, they do like to get off the air and then go start looking up information. Tell us about your blog and what inspired you to create it. Absolutely. Um, Afro-Culinaria is basically a response to the fact that I didn't see us owning our story in the same way that other people do. So, you know, you know, I've been on Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmer, and I've seen him go around the world and talk to people about where they're from and, you know, the flavors and the foods that make home home to them. And I've watched Anthony Bourdain, and people talk about it in magical terms, you know, you know, an herb from the side of a hill and they're on their father's farm or foraging yeah. for something from the woods near their river, the, the river near their village in China, or something. I mean, they they come from all parts of the world, and they're, like, waxing poetic about where they're from. And I know right. we never did this. That's we don't true. do this. I mean, the, the last time we did it, it was Edna Lewis, and that's, that book is, is older than me. I know, that's right. You know, The Taste of Country Cooking uh, by our, our esteemed elder, Edna Lewis, who mm-hmm. talked about beauty of the community in Virginia that she grew up in, but it can't just be one person's story. Right. Um, so I really wanted to say that we had an important cuisine. We have an important cuisine. We will have an important cuisine. And it will not stay the same. It will morph. It will It will change. It will react to different cultures. And right. it comes from a place. And so I wanted people from the Caribbean, people from African American, people from the continent, to be able, from Brazil, to come together and have, you know, a discussion about food. And, of yeah. course, you know, I got a lot of pushback, you know, because people wanted me to write about just the pleasurable stuff, just the mm. food. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were nice about it, and they'd be like, well, come on, I want more. You know, they wanted they wanted the secrets. But, you know, we yeah. don't get the secrets. We don't get that out. Right. No, That's no, man. That's right there. Mm-hmm. No, we, 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 have, we, have, we have a recipe. A recipe is a spell. You better believe so, it. Um, so we don't get them with the magic easily, but I do have recipes on the blog, um, and I do talk about how to prepare them and, and how to, you know, eat better and how to, you know, choose healthy food, how to make your dishes that are great. And I also talk about things that are just food for the enjoyment. You know, there's a billion fried chicken recipes on there and, and everything else. <laughs> you, know, you know, when you celebrate, you celebrate. Don't don't um, cheat yourself. But right. also eat in balance and live in balance. But I also talk about issues, you know, that involve food that 
apply to the I apply to the subject of our ethnicity, racial politics, etc. So, for example, when our brother Mike Brown was was um, murdered, murdered, um, right? He talked about how you know one of the first memes, internet memes or images that came out was this really grotesque image of his body being surrounded by KFC and watermelon. And I said, this is, this is, this is deep. And I said, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big black man. And I know, I know what people think about me before they know that I can read. Right. Or that I'm, that I'm just as normal as they are. They think about me in the same way. I mean, that image, that movie is playing. And I know some people may go, well, how do you know that? Let me tell you something. I don't have the I don't have the opportunity, the privilege, or the ability to not assume that. I have mm-hmm. to assume. You know, I'm sorry. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. I have right. to come to a position of neutrality or defensiveness, so mm-hmm. so that I don't get killed. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. my argument in that essay was that, um, you know, this is I I can't I can't assume that everybody's cool. I got to assume that. I have to be on my P's and Q's, and Mother used to say, twice as good to be just as good. And right. so I write about things like that. Well, the most famous piece I did on the blog was, of course, the letter to Paula Dean, mm-hmm. where, you know, I told I told Paula directly, I said, you were a 60-year-old white lady from Georgia. It would, it would shock me if that word never came out of your mouth. Okay. But I also said, you know, this is about you honoring the people who, Cooked for your family and the people who cook for you cook for you right now, like Miss right. Dora Charles. You know, right. it's about you all these people are in the history and his legacy. And it's also about the fact that you know you're on the Food Network that has umpteen number of European Americans to people to almost no people of color of any background. Right. And so that really sort of set the blog and the Cooking Gene Project off because people now want to know what I had to say about food. And um and and about these other issues. So I really yeah. wanted a space where we could deal with food. People, people got to realize nothing that we do, not our songs, not our music, not our dance, not our poetry, our literature, our food, um, our clothing. None of it is apolitical. Right. Right. Don't kid yourself. None of it is right. just practical. None of it is right. just you know aesthetic. All of mm-hmm. it is has a purpose and a plan. And a prayer, and so people need to understand that when they come when they come to this culture, that that it, that no matter who we are, no matter where we are in this spectrum called African American identity or African people around the world, we there is there's always a, a double, triple, quadruple meaning to what we do. Better believe it. You better believe it. And definitely, if you all want to learn a little bit, just a little bit, because we can't give away all the magic like Brother Michael just tell y'all. If you want to learn a little bit about just what those meanings are and those hidden things, those embedded things, those things that have been part of our survival that keep us thriving, make sure you are here on Historic St. Helena Island for this 33rd Annual Heritage Day celebration. Even though Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Month is winding down over the next few days, trust me, our heritage we celebrate daily here. And so our Heritage Day celebration is just going to be the major crescendo to all of what we've talked about and shared, not only on this broadcast, but online all month and as we do every day all year long. Again, follow at Kosher Soul on Twitter. Follow at Gullah Geechee on Twitter and Instagram. GullahGeecheeNation.com is our blog and website. And follow A-F-R-O-C-U-L-I-N-A-R-I-A.com so as you can keep up with all of what is being shared here and those many, many blogs and wording to come. I know one thing I'm keeping up on and that I want to know. When is this book, The Cooking Gene, going to be available, or is it now available? <laughs> the book is uh, is on the way. It's in gestation right now. Okay. So okay. it's being written. But next, by this time next year, um. Die will and the creek don't rise. I hope to have okay. it in the hand and right. be promoting. Um, I, in, a, in a nutshell, um, it goes back to that theme I was saying earlier about us having a culinary homeland. And yeah. I realized two, three years ago that I was older, 
I was starting to forget stories and things, and it all kind of got mashed up. And I really wanted to sort of confront those parts of my identity and really find out some truths and do some deep DNA and genetic research and find out where I came from. Um, 15 DNA tests later, and um, traveling in every single state where enslaved yeah. people were, with the exception, yeah. I think, I think Oklahoma, I got Oklahoma to go, but everywhere okay. else I've been, I've cooked, and um, it's part of the story. But you know, it's just kind of like with the whole uh, race connection. I wanted, yeah. I wanted the reader to be able to see the path of a person coming from that ship through the rice country. And what happens when the heritage gets passed down or doesn't get passed doesn't get passed down? So that's right. one question. For the Heritage Day, I want people to know that what we're gonna be looking at is not genealogy like you've ever seen before. Um right. I'm giving I'm giving um the family an entree into some of the things they saw when they were watching um Finding Your Roots. Um mm-hmm. specifically the program with African Americans, you know, um talking about ethnicity. They, you know, those statistics and those DNA tests, there's a way we can create narratives that can sustain us at the family reunion table that yeah. we have not had access to otherwise. I mean, right. some people in genealogy, you know, Queen Quet, they got to have every name, every place, every person. And my argument is, yes, you need to do as much of that as possible, but mm-hmm. you also need to fill in the blanks with historical and cultural context Right. You need to do your DNA test, find out what you're working with, and when you hit that Mende and that Timne and that Akan and whatever else have you in your genes, and you learn the history of how those ethnic groups got here, right. then you can begin to pass on a narrative. Yeah. Don't don't wait around on ceremony. Don't right. wait because you may never get that Kuta Kente moment. There you go. That's right. But, but you need to do the rest of the work so that your yeah. children, your children, children's children have what we call a heritage, without right. which you will perish. That's it. That's it. And I thank you because also for a scripture that says where there's no vision, the people perish. We thank you for having vision, being a visionary. We're going to definitely greet you with open arms and a full plate when you get here to St. Helena in the I next couple you. of weeks. And we also are going to have to bring you back on the air next year this time so that we can hear and read pages from the Cooking Gene. And those who want to support the Cooking Gene research trip, you can also donate. So make sure that you go to the website, A-F-R-O, Afro, C-U-L-I-N-A-R-I-A.com, okay? Make sure that you go there, click on that link. You can donate. And you can also just come bring the cash here to Heritage Day. I'm sure the brother take the donations, you know what I'm saying. And so we definitely appreciate you. We look forward to you coming on down to the Sea Islands. But definitely this is wonderful to have had this opportunity to dialogue with you. And believe it or not, our time is just about up. So we've got to wrap it up, and then I think me and Brother Twitty gonna get off the air and both get us a little bit of something for Nam Pun this evening and things like that. But we hope we've given you all a lot to really Nam Pun with your spirits and souls. Any closing words, Brother Michael? I just want people to know one thing and one thing only. There's a proverb from West Africa that sums it all up: If you sit at my table and eat, you will know who I am. Yes. Definitely. And so we thank you for sitting at the table with us tonight here on Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. You have a safe end. We are truly looking forward to you being here and for you sharing more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding so that people do know just who we be. Now, Hunter Chillin' Out Chonda, you know we be Gullah Geechee anointed people, this year the Queen Quet, head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad that Hunter Till and tune in one more again to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. Keep feeding the soul, keep feeding the mind, and never forget Hunter African Roots right here in this land. We are the living part of the souls with the initial Gullah Geechee soil. Peace, blessings, and strength.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.